Hello and welcome to Meet Her, the newest addition to Virtual Inforum. My name is Terry Barclay and I'm president and CEO of Inforum, a nonprofit whose work includes highlighting and supporting diversity in business leadership. The Meet Her podcast series introduces listeners to women of accomplishment whose experiences and insights feed us all on our leadership journeys. And I'm just so very excited that joining me today is Tina Kozak, president of Franco, one of Detroit's best known strategic public relations firms. Tina leads the entire Franco team and is also a frequent public speaker on such topics as leadership, empowerment, crisis communications, and reputation management. That's, that's quite a lot. Welcome, Tina, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Terry. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, I can only imagine with that scope of responsibility how much you have on your plate these days. So let's, let's get right to it. <laughs> what, what's your personal superpower and how has it helped you in your career? <laughs> well, these days, I think that um, just managing, literally just managing, is a superpower in and of itself for all of us when um, the lines are so blurry between home and work and personal and professional and, you know, our kids and our coworkers. So truly managing feels like a superpower. But, um, but in addition to that, I have this ability to kind of jump in to an unfolding situation and really listen quickly and be able to very quickly synthesize you know, what needs to happen, prioritizing risks and opportunities. And I think this has a lot to do with strong social and situational awareness. You know, when I take the leadership assessments, I always um, score kind of pretty strong there. And this ability to really guide has helped me in leading Franco, but also in my work as a crisis counselor for clients. So I do a lot of crisis work from reputation impacting situations. It might be labor or quality or political, you name it. And often in crisis, leaders think that they know, you know what needs to happen or what they need to do, but it's really hard to think clearly when your reputation is at risk or when everything's at risk. So I think my ability to quickly get to know someone, build that trust, show them that I understand really helps them trust me to make the recommendations to get get out of, or I should say get through situations. Um, I have an abundance of courage, which I think helps a lot. <laughs> Thanks to my Italian mother. Um, you know, I'm definitely not a yes person and, and really hold firm to those convictions. So courage is is a big piece of that too. You know, I find myself wanting to ask you a follow-up question. Did you, how did you learn, how did you get that superpower? Did you, did you kind of always have it or was it something that you worked at developing? No, I think it's, I think part of that is inherent, you know, personality. Again, that's social awareness, but I think it's on, on the job training. I always say with crisis planning and crisis work, you, you know, you can drill and plan and, and you absolutely should, but, you know, until you really go through it, you don't know how you're going to do. And um, I've, you know, I've gone through it and I've realized that I really like that. 
And um, I've realized that I can be, you know, a valuable partner to others going through crisis. So I think it's, you know, part inherent and part practiced behavior or superpower. Wow. Interesting. Really interesting. So, so given all of that, is there a skill that you're constantly working to improve? Oh yeah, there are many. <laughs> um, but I think w- one, you know, your greatest gift is often your greatest blind spot, right? So, oh my goodness, is that ever true? <laughs> right. I move fast, and sometimes I can move too quickly, and I'll make assumptions that others around me kind of already know what's in my head, and so that same quick thinking that helps me in a crisis can trip me up or hinder me when it comes to communicating effectively with my own teams, keeping them up to speed on what I'm doing or where I'm at in, in a, you know, in a project or a piece. Um, And really in making sure my teams are aligned from the start. So through lots of learning and self-reflection, I've come to understand this is called pacing leadership style. And so I, as with anything, right. But some pacing can be good, but too much, leaves people feeling confused and sometimes frustrated with me. So I try to manage that and, um, you know, managing it helps, helps others feel more comfortable before I just hit the ground kind of off to the races. Yeah. What great. I, I love the way you frame it. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I really, I really, really do. Because I think sometimes what happens to people is if they know that there's something, a new, a skill that they need to work on, sometimes they get paralyzed with, with that knowledge instead of, you know, kind of breaking it down and realizing that you can chip away at it, you know? It's, right, right. It's, I think it's really helpful to, to, to frame things in that way. You know, so I'm just fascinated, given what you do, you have seen leaders at all in all different states, right? Of um, uh, stress, uh, and also, you know, certainly at their very best. Is there a you know what do you think is the biggest challenge that is facing leaders today? I think it is a hundred percent today. <laughs> it might be different than what I would have said six months ago, but today it's the pace of change. Um, you know, things are moving so fast, hour to hour, we're getting new information that is going to impact, you know, what happens maybe to our balance sheets or to our teams tomorrow or, or to our products or to our customers. Um, So things are moving quickly. And leaders, I think, not only need to demonstrate a commitment to change that, you know, we're, we're ready for the task and that we're moving, you know, as things evolve around us, but more importantly, to really acknowledge that human side of change and how change affects people. And our people are, you know, our greatest assets. And I think today that putting people first is so important, Mm -hmm. putting employees ahead of customers, putting them ahead of shareholders, you know, I believe lead us to the outcomes that we all want to see. And um, so just really investing in those people is the simple way to keep with the pace of change. Wow. <clears throat> you know, and we've certainly been hearing lots of examples uh, during the pandemic where those choices about what you put first are real. You mm-hmm. know, they they have such direct impact on the business. Um, and I can imagine it takes courage to follow through 
on on that. That's really, I, I think that's just so interesting. Yes, courage and lots and lots of empathy. <laughs> yes, empathy, empathy. So, so maybe that's a good segue to the next question. I mean, you know, you certainly have put together such an incredible team at Franco. Is there advice that you would give to someone who's moving into a leadership position for the first time? I think, so this is a question I get asked a lot. And I think my, my response over the years has evolved. And so to, again, today, <laughs> in this moment, it is taking time for reflection and encouraging your teams to reflect, really encouraging reflection. Um, we you know, talk about a growth mindset at Franco a lot and how that's so critical. And I know that you, know, I know that you and Inforum do a lot of transformative leadership and growth mindset thinking, and you really can't grow without reflection. Um, I think that the difference between a really strong manager and a successful leader is taking time to reflect and making those adjustments that you notice when you do that assessment. Um, and it can take a lot of forms. This year, we've committed to reflection at Franco. So that was one of our commitments for 2020. Mm. So we're trying to start meetings out with more intention. We're reviewing, you know, why are we here? What do we need to get done? What are the outcomes? And really taking that couple minutes to get set before we, you know, run from this meeting to the bathroom, to the coffee machine, to the next meeting, taking a couple minutes, we're breathing and we're asking ourselves, why are we here? We really, what do we need to get done? Um, we're doing more debriefs on what's working and what isn't. Uh, yep. Lots of debriefs, lots of, you know, what could have gone better, you know, what surprised us, what didn't surprise us and doing a lot more surveying with our employees, especially as we've been remote um, just to gauge how our plans are being implemented and how our decisions are working for people or if they're not working for people, you know, to gauge mm -hmm. that. So the surveys have helped us inform plans, but they've also helped us, you know, understand are those plans achieving what we expected and how do we need to make those adjustments? Um, I personally also love meditation to reflect on a little bit of a deeper level, but I know that that's certainly not for everybody to each her own. Uh, but I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to reflect. I think there's, you know, just the uh, ability and, and kind of desire to want to learn from what you've done. Well, and, and I suspect listening to, to you talk about that, that there's a strong role that you play as a leader in being the role model for for those things, you know, re really making it okay for people to, ref for others on the team to reflect and to, um, you know, ask those sometimes difficult questions. I mean, when you've been working flat out and working hard on something, uh, you know, to make, make that space where you can say, well, did this go, I mean, you know, what could have gone better here? Um, is this still the thing we need to do? You know, sometimes it's hard to, to give up what you've committed to and ask those questions honestly, not knowing what the answer will be until you hear from the team. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it requires a degree of, you know, vulnerability. And for, like you said, you know, for that to be okay for everybody to be, comfortable feeling a little bit vulnerable when we know that it's so that we can 
transform and grow and be, you know, be better the next time or be more informed. Yeah. Yeah. Such a, such a great thing and easy to overlook uh, with the speed at which we're all working. Is, is there a way that you help new employees understand the culture at Franco? Yes. And I wish that, um, I wish we had more new employees so I could do this more often. <laughs> Although I guess <laughs> if we had a certain volume, there would be a point where I wouldn't be able to do every one. But um, I love, this is one of my favorite parts of the role. Um, but I always meet with a new employee in, in his or her first week and, and usually in their first couple of days to review the values and the vision. And this gives people a good intro to the culture and it sets the expectations early on, you know, and from me about brass tacks, what does it take to succeed in the organization? Mm -hmm. um, and we don't just review a list of words. We've really defined behaviors and examples of our values in action. And I think it's really important that I take them on this journey, albeit abbreviated, but we kind of go on this journey of how our values came to be. So it's, again, uh -huh. not just the words and the definitions, but we, a couple of years ago, you know, went through this very intense, very intentional process of redefining our values and our vision. And I think that when a new employee understands how those values came to be, they can really appreciate their importance. They can understand what their role is in living them out through their work. Um, so this, I love this time with new employees and it's usually pretty overwhelming. But one thing I always end with is I ask them to think about this, you know, day and the time that we had and kind of the vision that I cast and in their first review. So, you know, the 30 day mark, and then we do it again at the 90 day mark. One of the questions we ask is how did the vision compare with what your reality has been, you know, what your actual experience has been. Because um, I want to make sure that, like with social media, I don't want to just give the highlight reel of life at Franco. <laughs> I want to paint this accurate picture. So we use that feedback, you know, it's like, is the vision that you heard about, like, do you see it? And we ask that, you know, frequently throughout the year of all of our employees, but it really starts with that first meeting of telling them, you know, it's okay to say it doesn't and help us be better at reflecting what the culture actually is. Um, but we've get, got great feedback on it and it's a, a really fun part of my role. You can tell I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you sure can tell you love it. And I, I love hearing your example because, you know, these days, sometimes when you hear people say vision and values, you immediately go to yada, 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 you know, it is words. And so it's, it's fascinating to hear how you make those come alive by talking about behaviors, you know, then you, you really do put the, the sort of that real world meaning, <laughs> you know, to those words. Yes. Yeah. Is there, is there any, do you ever coach your clients on that? I want, I, I would imagine. We do. You do. Since we've gone through it, um, we have done a lot more kind of, you know, value development and value refinement. Um, you know, we've always worked with businesses on mission statements and vision statements, but until we, until I went through this, you know, again, it's probably been four or five years now, um, 
they were really words and they were words to reflect a culture or, you know, uh, a goal, but they were words. And so now we are coaching clients on going deeper with those defining behaviors and what does this look like in your organization um, and how do you carry it out beyond a values rollout, you know, with the party and a cake and a, you know, laminated card of the values, right? So how do you kind of carry it into performance reviews? How do you carry it into your staff meetings and make people, um, you know, kind of feel comfortable and natural to speak the language of the values in the mm -hmm. company? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes I think, you know, we always hear if, if you have a pet, uh, you know, we hear about how pets, particularly dogs, their noses are so sensitive and they, they have all this information from the world, you know, through, through that, that we as humans don't have. And, and I often, I sometimes think that we uh, as humans have the ability to, to sense authenticity. And really what you're talking about is uh, organizations, companies that really are authentic in embracing and living those, those, those values. It's, uh, it's important stuff. I like that analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about dogs today. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, I'm really curious, do you have any blogs, podcasts, or what media do you engage with to generate new ideas? Yeah, so lots of different things and, you know, some business, but not all. Um, one kind of more traditional business book and author that I love is Brendan Burchard and his High Performance Habits. So mm. I mentioned, you know, I'm a sucker for a good assessment and his book, um, he's a researcher and an author in, you know, leadership development. And his process is you take this assessment and it kind of scores you or shows you which of the high performance habits come naturally and the other ones that you're gonna have to work harder at. So as you go through the book, you, you can kind of really prioritize. And I, I like that, it's efficient already, right? I know which ones I really need to understand are my blind spots and which ones I can leverage you know, as a strength. Um, so I like Brendan. Um, love Brene Brown, you know, as, mm. as everybody does these days. I love Oprah's super soul conversations and uh. Oprah's voice and her, just her demeanor is very calming to me. So it reminds me of being back in my mom's kitchen, you know, as a teenager and listening to the Oprah show on after school. So, um, I guess that shows my age a little bit, but, um, but I, I do love Oprah because she talks to different, you know, different people from different walks of life and spiritual leaders and business leaders and, um, you know, people who have overcome a, a lot of adversity. And so I like, I like her. Um, I also love a good documentary or memoir. Um, I recently just invested 10 hours in the ESPN Michael Jordan documentary. Uh, oh, yes. People, isn't it great? <laughs> oh, people are raved about that. It's, it is worth the 10 hour time investment. And, and I, you know, like you, I don't have a lot of time to sit in front of the television, but it was so worth it just to see how his mind works, you know, and how it did then and how it does today, even as he's reflecting on his experience. Um, I think is interesting. I like, you know, leaders kind of, again, from all walks and seeing kind of what makes them tick and how they attack problems and how they push through, you know, when, when the going gets tough. So, um, yeah. And we, 
we have a book club at Franco and we usually all read the same book. Um, and then we'll talk about it, which is a lot of fun. I'm a big nerd. So this is, you know, I love, I love this kind of stuff. But this last one, while we were home, we said, we'll try something different. And so we all read a different book. And for our book club, we kind of all gave a little synopsis and, you know, some resources on that. So now I have, we just did that. So I have this great reading list of like 15 or 20 books that I haven't read yet that I can go out and um, start working on. I, I do a lot of Audible, well, at least I used to when I was in the car. So I still do a little bit <laughs> walking and listening or cleaning the house and listening. <laughs> that's, that's just fabulous. So um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to capture some of these in case people are listening to this while they're cooking or on the treadmill or out for a walk. Yes. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> I will capture some of your suggestions on a tip sheet that we'll put up on our website. And so, you know, Tina, if you've got any other ones you want to suggest, we'll capture them on the tip sheet because we, we don't want people tripping while they're trying to write things down while they're doing something else. So. No, it's very important. We need to be intact when we're able to get back out into the world. We all need to be able to walk back out there confidently. So I'll do that. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. I, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Tina, and for, for sharing this perspective. Um, really appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up our podcast. Please come back to informmichigan.org for more opportunities to meet her. And while you're there, check out the other virtual inform components, including Meet Him, a podcast series in which male leaders share what they've learned about the importance of diverse leadership. There's also a growing library of video tips, virtual leadership development programming, and even a series of virtual events. Thank you.